Hello, I'm your host, Effie Pilarino, and today I have the pleasure to have with us Panayotis Kriaris, who is, I would say, a veteran in, in banking in the sense that I understand that he's been in a broad spectrum of areas in, in banking, from commercial banking, uh, business banking, retail banking, payments, and fintechs. And um, today we'll be talking about payments and, and business models and fintech innovations. Welcome, Panayoti. Thank you, Afi. Thank you. Great. Uh to have the opportunity to discuss today with you. Yeah, you're joining us uh, from the beautiful city of, of Vienna, right? And uh, maybe you, you can tell us also a bit about the FinTech activities there, but tell us briefly about your background um, and, and where you're at today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. So I, as you said, I have a background which is going back a, a few years um, all the way to, to banking, to retail banking, commercial banking, corporates, SMEs, lots of payments, uh, cross-border as well, money transfer. So I've been working for uh, for banks, for payment institutions. So over the past many years, I'm, let's say, more focused on the on the fintech and on the on the on the payment space. And as I as I'd like to say, I have the benefit of being having been at uh, both sides of the fence. So I can understand uh, both, si both sides. Um, so I'm now working for a company called Unzer. Uh, probably, uh, you know, the name is, uh, the, the brand name actually is a, is a new one. So it's not very um, broadly known, but actually it's a company that is active on the B2B uh, payments uh, space, actually enabling, I mean, I probably the most accurate uh, description would be B2B to C payment space enabling everybody who wants to offer payments, uh, be it merchants or banks or whoever wants to offer payments to their consumers, we are sitting behind and enabling on a omni-channel uh, setup uh, this from, from one API. So that's the idea cross end to end. And I'm right. sitting in Vienna, yeah, as you and, said. And I understand that recently you were uh, participating at the, the World Banking Forum in Amsterdam. And can you share with us some takeaways or insights or, you know, the vibe, what, what has stayed with you? Yeah, yeah. Actually, the, this was a very interesting event that I had the privilege of chairing a couple, a couple of weeks ago in Amsterdam. Um, and we did touch upon uh, lots of uh, lots of topics. I mean, the benefit, the, the benefit of these kind of events and especially of this one was that we did have many senior uh, stakeholders from, from across the, the, the banking, the, the fintech, the payment space brought uh, in one place uh, for a couple of days. And we actually had the opportunity of exchanging views and discussing everything. I mean, uh, I think that the focus um, topics that we had uh, been discussing were, uh, you know, from embedded finance and banking as a service and what's the difference to cybersecurity, which proved to be a top, a top uh, of mind topic for everybody, even more than I was expecting, to be honest, to, to digital money, to CDBCs, uh, to the digital euro, we were discussing a lot, having senior people from, um, from the digital euro program, uh, uh, European Payments Council, the SEPA success, as I'd like to call it, that we have, the, that we've had in Europe over the past uh, years, uh, 
to customer experience, to what is the role of data, regulation, of course, was, was a big topic uh, that has become all the more, uh, let's say, important over the past uh, years. The crypto regulation that we are now waiting in Europe, uh, PST3, uh, so uh, lo lots of topics. I mean, uh, but uh, all in all, I would say that a very, very interesting event with uh, lots of original uh, exchange of use. And, you know, sometimes when you do have not so many people sitting in the same place and having workshops or discussions, uh, that's always a benefit. Um, and actually, I think some of the discussions that we had were recorded on a podcast. So if you go to the website of uh, uh, World Banking Forum uh, from Cooper Events and you go to the section podcasts, I think you might be able to find uh, a couple of the discussions for those who are interested. Yeah. yeah. Panayoti, you mentioned about cybersecurity. I mean, we, we all have seen the numbers um, in e-commerce shoot up uh, for all sorts of reasons, uh, you know, because of the, the e-commerce growth and, and because of the changes in the typology and so on. But from your um, understanding, is the concern... Uh, because of the e-commerce growth and of course that is linked to, to digital payments but is it also because of embedded fintech and embedded finance and all these api connectors that we don't hear a lot about that issue but are there there big cyber security issues and and growing issues there either because of negligence or because of scammers? Mm. I mean, you're very right. And actually, going back to my previous comment, I was actually very surprised because we had the poll during the, 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 the conference. And actually, everybody was voting for the key topics. And cybersecurity was the most important uh, topic voted from the audience, and so from people participating as well. And to be honest, if I would have to guess before, this would, wouldn't have been my first guess. So I think this is kind of indicative of how uh, important cybersecurity has become. And I, I would say top of mind uh, topic for uh, companies across the finance uh, space. Um, and discussing also with uh, with people from uh, from banks to, to to payments players to you know Mastercard to uh, to fintechs uh, everybody seems to understand nowadays that you cannot ignore cybersecurity only because I mean you mentioned a couple of reasons the the, the rise of the e-commerce the API economy the fact that we are much more connected than than we used to be in the past um, and I think uh, if you I mean we were actually discussing you know, how can you better protect protect yourself? Uh, what would be the, you know, how can you kind of balance the company culture? How you can balance uh, the security aspect with the uh, user experience, which is there's always, as you very well know, a bit of a, a balance. How do you keep both at the, at the, at the state uh, that makes sense for, for both sides? So all these topics were, uh, seem to be actually uh, top of mind. And of course, there is a famous kind of quote that uh, the, uh, the the fraudsters are always going to be one step ahead. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, you do your your best, you take your measures, and this is not a a topic that is uh, let's say I think 
one of the, the 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 best key takeaways that I had is that this is not a topic that is concerning one person or one department within a company. That has to be a, a topic that is going across, is spreading across the company, so that we have a culture that is able to uh, combat, let's say, fraud and uh, take uh, precaution as well. So that that would be one of the key takeaways that we have been interesting that that even cybersecurity that um you know uh, uh, we would think is is a very technical mm. uh, area and an area where ai can have a huge uh, impact a return on investment and so on and and uh, more and more we realize that it is uh, a human issue cultural issue and and upskilling humans mm. not only that are working directly in the cybersecurity area mm. but in in exactly. the business exactly. uh, mm. uh, as 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 we digitize i wanted to ask you about um, these uh, new sort of payments um, uh, that you've been talking about on linkedin about push and pull uh, payments. Uh, it, it, what is here the innovation, if you want, uh, and and what are you seeing in the market in that respect? Yeah, I mean, for me the topic was quite interesting because I was uh, thinking. Um, um, I caught myself uh, one day thinking that although most of the payments transactions are initiated by consumers by us. If you think about, let's say, the the the, the experience, uh, the payments are, are are pulled payments, meaning that we have a seller that initiates the money transfer. So although me as a consumer, I initiate the, I mean, I want to buy something and I initiate, let's say, the the, the, the payments uh, trigger, the transaction is taking place uh, from the from the side of the of the seller. Yep. And, and this is also touching upon, let's say, the complexity of the setup that we know today. You have many, many stakeholders. You know, if you talk about um, gateways, you you go, you card schemes, acquirers, issuers, processors, all these intermediaries that put in place what we know today as a payment setup. And this is actually a quite complex setup that goes back to I don't know to the 1960s or 70s when. This has been uh, has been put in place. On the other hand, I think uh, I find quite interesting. So the these so-called push payments, which is actually the opposite. So it's actually when you push the payments to the uh, to the seller to the merchant. And um, for me, it was quite interesting to understand that, for example, if you take the two giants uh, that we have today, Visa and Mastercard, they both have. Um, I mean, they, they thought of, of something which is very simple and at the end of the day makes a lot of sense. So we do have the infrastructure, right? We do have the rails. So why don't we use the infrastructure to do exactly the opposite, to push, let's say, payments to the uh, to the other end? And that's how we have, let's say, since, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, since 2016, both of these organizations, they, they do have this uh, so-called uh, similar offering. So they have this Visa Direct, they have the MasterCard send, and for me, what's quite interesting is that this is also something that has lots of use cases, especially when we talk nowadays about embedded finance, about the platform economy. There is uh, much more need and much uh, more use cases than when we might uh, have had, uh, let's say, 10 or 20 years ago. So that makes it very, very interesting for, 
for me as a as a subject. And and this is more you see it um, uh, scaled at the B two B level. At uh, where do you see it having already, if you want, um, uh, application usage mm -hmm. adoption. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the main uh, adoption areas that we have been seeing uh, is, I mean, I, I talked about platforms, so maybe let's start uh, from, from here. So we see an increasing uh, need from platforms and marketplaces to process mm -hmm. large amounts of payments, the so-called payouts, right, to, to, to vendors, to contractors, to you name it. And this is a very, very important use case. So, for example, if you take, I think uh, Uber has been partnering with uh, with Mastercard. As I said before, the 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 the, the offering of, of Mastercard is called Mastercard Send, and actually they have been facilitating payments for Uber rides, Uber Eats, uh, you name it, Uber Pass for business. I think they have lots of lots of offerings, and I think this instant pay feature that allows the drivers to receive, let's say, their pay to their debit cards real time has made quite a difference. So that's that's a use case. And in general, what I mentioned before, the platform approach. So I think there's a lot of demand for this kind of capabilities. Yeah. Is it, isn't that the niche, if you want, of Stripe, really? Or, 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 or not so much? No, I wouldn't say so much because, um, to be honest, I think these guys, I mean, the, um, let's say the, 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 of course, Stripe has a, um, has a let's say uh, a focus on platforms and on on on, on uh, uh, marketplaces. That's a given. But I think here we we, we do have a, a different let's say use case. So this payout capability. And of course there might be some competition or there might be some overlapping. But at the end of the day, uh, the uh, idea is the following: you have to be able to bring money to move money from one point to the other in a in a reverse let's say direction. So so let's say that the contractor or the vendor or the creator takes his uh, his his cut or haircut in an instant way. And that's not always a given, even if we are talking about uh, big players like uh, like Stripe. So and it's not by accident that we see these kind of names working together, like uh, what I mentioned before. Um, so that's one. Now, the second one, which is also very, very interesting, and we have been seeing lots of uh, partnerships uh, lately, is of course the cross-border landscape, and I think this is something that we, you know, uh, that the, there are many inefficiencies in terms of cross-border payments. We all know that they're very expensive; they're quite slow; they're not uh, non-transparent, and I think this is also a clever way of companies like, uh, you know, the big players like Western Union, like uh, like Paycent, offering an additional option to the customers to receive to have a payout next to the existing ones. So in this in this sense, I wouldn't say that it's a replacement for uh, for the existing setup, but is adding an additional option, which is very, very uh, interesting for both uh, sides participating in this relationship. I mean, that's why we have seen these partnerships I mentioned. Uh, so Western Union, we have seen a partnership with, with Visa, MasterCard with Paycent, and of course, uh, lots of smaller scale partnerships with local players and with with banks. Um, I think, uh, for example, Visa Visa has been partnering with with Cunes recently, and I think there was a mention of uh, reaching being able to reach 1.5 billion digital wallets wallets across 
don't with, know. Who you said the Panagiotis? With story? tunes, with tunes. Okay, with tunes. Yes. Okay. Or for example, I think the use case is if you go to the banking as a service space and you see, for example, Finastra, these guys are using now Visa Direct to offer cross-border payouts again. So I think in general, the cross-border kind of, let's say, setup is quite interesting only because you don't have so many players having the infrastructure and being in a position to to offer the rails. And these guys, they said, we have the rails. Why don't we do something which is... And I think you have lots of other business case, use cases like uh, insurance, like in healthcare, uh, settlements, disbursements, case, use cases where you have to put funds in an instant way to, offer, to give to somebody uh, a payout for, for whatever reason. So for me, that's a, that's a quite interesting uh, space to watch. Interesting. interesting, very interesting. Now, I mean, another favorite uh, subject of, I think everybody is digital wallets. <laughs> and, exactly. and, and there's so many of them, uh, as many as ice cream flavors, right? The, these, these days. Um, and um, I think, you know, the more, uh, the more uh, innovations we see in payments. I was looking today into some of the issues um, around private stable coins, you know, Tether and, and Circle and, and so on. And uh, uh, obviously they are facilitating the adoption of wallets indirectly. It's not their main goal, but a lot of the innovations that are happening whether they scale or not, or or who who wins? Maybe stable coins will be eventually issued by banks. Who knows? But it's if you think of it, I mean, we are living in a world where we'll have more and more digital wallets um, that serve different purposes, and I'm I don't think that it's a a, a winner takes all situation, right? Mm. What what is your sentiment, and how do you think of digital wallets? I mean, exactly as you said, and I was writing the other day that uh, nowadays everybody seems, especially from the big players, everybody seems to have a digital wallet strategy. Everybody wants to likes to to say that I'm doing stuff on this one, and even the discussion around the super app game, you have digital wallets behind. Because at the end of the day, the super apps that we know today, and if we go back to you know to the example of China with the big, uh, very big players, they have been digital wallets for quite some time, and this is how they have been evolving and building on top functionalities on top of these digital wallets. So uh, I mean, for me, it's quite fascinating if you if you go back and try to understand where this all started. So the the, the fact that you had digital wallets, I mean, they started basically as a carbon file. Uh, alternative right that you have a consumer so I, I i need to avoid the entering my card details again and again and i have a digital wallet that simplifies this process so this was the initial idea uh, and use case behind and now you you see for example that with the rise of uh, e-commerce we had a pandemic we have the digital wallets being uh, very very popular across the globe but uh, what I wanted to say is that if you go back and you understand, you try to understand how the, how most of the dominant digital wallets that we have today have started, you're going to see that most of them, they were tied to specific 
big players to commerce side. So for example, you take Alibaba, you take Amazon, you take Mercado, right? These guys, they were developing their own wallets because they wanted to make it easier to have to offer payments on their websites. Yeah, yeah, whether it's retail or yes. whatever it is, mobility exactly. or whatever it is in their big world. So exactly, of exactly. And this is only discussing about the West because in the in China, for example, uh, we had, the, I mean, when the big players at the beginning of the 2000s, they were developing, they, they wanted to, to do e-commerce, they wanted to sell their products. And literally back then, there was no card payments infrastructure as we know it in the West, right? So they had to develop something from scratch. And that's how these guys have, have actually skipped one generation of payments and they developed what we... Uh, have come to call today, you know, these, uh, the super apps. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, you do find some exceptions. So for example, PayPal is an exception, has not been associated from the beginning with a, with a specific um, uh, e-commerce play. Although, for example, we have seen that they, they were acquired by eBay, right? So, but this came later. So, yeah. Uh, so for me, this is quite interesting. So on the one, one hand side, we have the e-commerce. And on the other hand side, I think lately what we've seen is that we also see that uh, digital wallets have been facilitating the in-store experience. And this is connected with two things. I mean, if you if you discuss about Asia, of course, then uh, it comes, you know, QR codes, they come to mind. This is how the digital uh, wallets enable the in-store experience. And if you talk about, for example, the, the West and the European experience, then, then it's called NFC, the NFC technology that we have on our mobile phones. So these two uh, distinctive technologies have also enabled digital wallets becoming also an in-store kind of solution. So now what, you, what do you have? You have the combination of both. And that's why it's very, very powerful. Interesting. You know, Panayoti, I... I... Despite all that is going on and the variety of these wallets and the differences, I, I, I think that we are very early in the sense of um, uh, having developed a smart wallet. And I'm talking more about the developed world rather than, than China, because there the super app model is different. We don't have it. Who knows? I mean, mm -hmm. that's another big discussion. But I don't feel that our wallets uh, are smart enough yet, meaning that there's so much potential for the wallet to become, to store a digital identity. Mm -hmm. For example, if we eventually get it from the EU or, or uh, I mean, in the US, partly because of the driver's license and the Apple wallet, some already have that, but also to we have storage of tickets already, right, mm -hmm. in, in our wallets uh, and, and invoices, right? And Apple will do that in the U.S. Uh, it will be late here. But in, in terms of getting really smart data-enabled offers in our wallet, wherever we go, because there's it's location-aware, uh, offer so you know I'm traveling let's say to London and my phone is location aware so my wallet can show me what 
uh, offers are around me, be it a restaurant, be it um, a shopping, be, be it whatever, we're not there yet. Uh, so, so that potential is not uh, realized uh, yet. I'm starting to see some signs of, of stuff that are smart, like integrating some um, uh, carbon footprint um, mm -hmm. metrics in a wallet. Klarna is, is starting to do that. But I think that, that we're early. What, what is your impression? And are you seeing uh, anything interesting? No, totally agree. I mean, uh, I think what you just said is very, very correct. I think I would just make a distinction. So, for example, if we take the wallets that we have in Asia, I think they're, they're much more advanced. So some of the things that you mentioned are already happening. But it's, I mean, as you said before, it's a, it's, a, it's a totally different discussion because these are essentially super apps. But if we go back to the, to the West, I think uh, you are very, very right. So I think uh, we are quite early. And that's why we have, uh, I mean, we, we haven't seen yet how the model is going to develop, to be honest. But uh, the, the true potential, as you have mentioned, is the fact of, uh, is the idea of building additional incremental services on top that are going much beyond payments and much and beyond finance. And at the end of the day, this is the, I mean, the usability of the digital wallets and the attractivity of the model is exactly this. So you are essentially facilitating lots of um, things that we do in our day to day. And this is how it becomes a, an integral part of our of our daily life. So I have, uh, I'm using it uh, all, all the more in my 24 yes, hours. It's, it's a search, it's a discovery. Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's a bit, a bit like an operating dashboard, uh, sort of speak. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, in a way, not only as you said to to um, execute um, a transaction, uh, whether it will change form, um, uh, who who knows? I mean, it's um, interesting to see and also to think uh, who who could enable it and who could gain a lot. Of course, there, and I'm thinking out loud. You know, it could be the big players like Visa and Mastercard that have built the infrastructure to make that happen, right? I mean, now there is a discussion, going back to your original point, there's a discussion, for example, at least in the West, who is going to be this player who is going to make it, right? And there's lots of discussions around Twitter, around uh, uh, other players. And, you know, I don't think we have to discuss names, but what if, if you look at who has the most uh, chances, I would say that the one that is... You have to find somebody that is going beyond finance because finance is a part that we do. For example, I want to do a payment. I want to have a, a loan or whatever, a financial product, and that's it. But if you have if you have somebody, a player, who is active in my life uh, in a more integral way, then you stand more chances of being the offering that is going to power uh, this, uh, let's say, strategy behind. That's why we have seen all this discussion going around uh, social networks. Yes, social networks, because they're best positioned to reap the benefits of this kind of, uh, I would say, um, association with my day-to-day, -day, right? And I, I think there is lots of truth in this, uh, in this uh, theory. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see. Uh, Twitter, Twitter is uh, <laughs> what a case uh, of a business and 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 what is going on there. Uh, and 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 the truth is, we know all of us know that the technology is there, right? Be it uh, you know the Lightning Network uh, of Bitcoin or or some other you know um, Visa. Visa is actually very much uh, developing stablecoin, also dollar-backed stablecoin technology that could be much easier to to adopt on a on a social network. Uh, but who knows uh, uh, what what will happen? What are what are your thoughts around um, real-time payments in all this context? That, that we are talking about. I, I think in a few years time, real time, we will take real time payments for, for granted. So okay. once you experience the, once you have the, once you know the user experience of real time payments, then going back is not an option, right? So the, it's, it's a very powerful model. And I can remember the discussion that we used to have uh, a few years ago, what would be the business case, especially for providers, for banks to provide real-time payments. But as we now see the expansion of real-time payments also in Europe, uh, I think that uh, you know, for the, there's lots of uh, use cases for consumers, for businesses. Uh, SEPA Instant, for example, is a, is a reality. Uh, uh, we can discuss about interoperability, but uh, I think real-time payments are going to be uh, in a, in a few years' time one of the things that we take for granted normal, right? Yeah. And nobody will be able to imagine how things have been uh, yes, yes. Uh, taking place in the past. Honestly, Panayoti, I experience it at my personal uh, business level. You know, within. Uh, Europe, I get paid instantly, and with any international clients, it's just uh, a, um, a very frequent nightmare of mm. where are the funds, uh, why the funds haven't uh, arrived, um, exactly. you know, what corresponding banking route was taken, why, and so on. And it's like, you know, what day and age are we in? Because as you said, cross-border payments out of uh, the the eurozone uh, remain a, a, a huge frictions mm -hmm. um, and and i'm talking about i'm talking about dollar payments i'm not talking about any other more exotic uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, secondary currency you know um, cross border payments in africa with different currencies uh, and, and and so on uh, th there's no doubt about it Panayoti, thank you so much. We had a, a totally interesting uh, discussion. Uh, before closing, what are your uh, thoughts for this new year? What are you excited about or concerned, if you want? I mean, I I always like to see the, the glass uh, half full, half full, right? So I will uh, say what I'm excited about. I think we are now, on the one hand side, we are in a, living in a period of crisis. I mean, nobody was expecting that we are going to go through a pandemic a few years ago, then a war in Europe, inflation, record inflation. So all this is a very challenging macro environment. On the other hand, if you see the advance of the technology, I mean, there is a huge discussion going on around AI at the moment. 
around uh, what, is the, what is the potential. I think there's lots of opportunity. And uh, this is uh, why I'm very, very excited. I think we're going to be seeing uh, things that are, things are going to be moving much uh, faster than they have been moving in the past. I think there's lots of opportunity. And as they say, it is in times of crisis that opportunity becomes uh, more relevant. You just have to be in a position to identify the opportunity. And of course, implementation is, is what makes, uh, makes a difference. So I'm optimistic at the end of the day that uh, at some point, even, even though this year is going to be probably still difficult, I think uh, we're going to be seeing interesting stuff going forward. Great, great. So technology to the to to the rescue, and uh, I guess human ingenuity as to how uh, we're going to use this technology to solve the the complex and interconnected problems that that um, that we are facing. Thank you very much, uh, Panayoti. Thank you again. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Effie. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.